This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Vancouver Stealth were the only Western team to win a game this weekend. Todd LeBranch went viral and it brought all the lax haters to the surface. Nothing changed in the West, but the East got even tighter as the Wolves go from first to last. The National Lacrosse League and Bleacher Report shakes hands, and the National Lacrosse League Commissioner Nick Sikiewicz will be by. All that more on OTCB. What's going on, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on NLL Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, your iPhone, wherever you are listening. What's going on? My name's Teddy Jenner. At Off the Crossbar is where I reside on Twitter. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Other things we'll talk about, uh, Rochester's Cure for the Childhood Cancer Association game goes this weekend. I'll be there with the Mammoth. Um, Trey LeClaire becomes a new Westminster Salmon Belly, which is a very strange move. And some other little tidbits and tadbits as we get on. Um, I forgot to mention um, some pigeons last weekend uh, or last week and what I was talking about uh, during the show. I teased it in the opening. Um, so we'll try to get that full circle and bring it right back because it's still very poignant in, in every week of lacrosse and we see it in every game. But so much to talk about this weekend. So many storylines going in and coming out of Week 16 in the National Lacrosse League. It's sometimes tough to decide where to start. And I'm sure most people have been talking about and seeing the Todd LeBranch video, or the audio at least. We'll let you hear it again. And we'll let you hear from Todd himself as he was on with Denver 7. Uh, just a couple days after uh, the crazy wild video that was. And he kind of explains what went through his head, and I got a chance to talk to him after the game, and he just kind of threw it out there and was like, you know what, if we can get on SportsCenter, then why not? Why not exactly? Some people weren't too impressed with it. Other people didn't really mind it. As long as lacrosse is going viral for good things and not brawls or crazy hits or things like that, then I'm okay with it. Funny enough, as a couple of people have pointed out, Zach Greer has been a part of the last two National Lacrosse League videos to go super viral. Uh, he was one of the two penalty players penalized by the branch this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, last year, taking the shot to the face while playing against Calgary. Um, and that one went ultra-viral as well. So uh, Zach's been on the wrong end of two viral sensation videos. But that's just kind of the way it goes. I think that, that video was two years ago, actually. I think that's how it was. Two years ago? Yeah, two years ago when he got hit in the face as a member of the rush playing against Calgary after he took a cross-check and a punch and then the ball to the face. Tough shift. However... So we'll, we'll play you the, the LeBranch audio and then his comments after that. Um, but there are so many other things uh, that we need to talk about. Of course, John Grant Jr.'s jersey going to the Raptors at the Pepsi Center. One funny question that came out of that um, in talking with some of the people during that day and during the weekend um, was if and when will the Rochester Nighthawks retire John Grant's number 24? 
or make him a member of their Hall of Fame. I believe Micah Kersey is going in this weekend as a member of the Hall of Fame. It's going to be Nighthawks alumni night. And it just, you know, with Junior's number being retired by Colorado, he actually accomplished more in his career winning the championship in 07 with Rochester, went to more finals with the Nighthawks. That's where he started his National Cross League career. And so some people wonder, well, if Colorado did it, when will Rochester do it? And we'll maybe pose that question um, to some Rochester people this weekend when I am in Roch Vegas. Uh, I am indeed making the double road trip with the Colorado boys. They are in Toronto Friday night to take on the Rock, and then Saturday they will be in Rochester to take on the Nighthawks in a big weekend for Colorado. And this should have been a big weekend. Oh, it was a big weekend for Colorado. And unfortunately, um, the Vancouver Stealth spoiled the party. Almost like some of those mammoth offensive guys were afraid to shoot there. Saunders shot. That was scored. Oh, what a bad deflection. Goes off the stick of Jordan Gillis, changes directions. And beats Dylan Ward. It's 13-12 Vancouver. Yeah, unfortunate one for, for Dylan there. You can see he steps up to make the save on the initial shot. It goes off the stick there. It looked like he it, it slowed up enough that he'd be able to grab it, but I think you can see the spin it took there off of Gillis' stick. It hits the ground. It takes an unfortunate bounce for Dylan Ward. That's a big goal by Saunders in transition. Saunders' second goal of the night. His fourth point would be the game winner with just over a minute 30 left. Um, an outside shot in transition early in the shot clock uh, with really no offensive guys on the floor. Probably not the best shot to take in that situation. However, they don't ask how. They just ask how many. And Saunders' goal was the 13th. That would be enough. And the Vancouver Stealth break their seven-game losing streak and at the same time snap Colorado's five-game winning streak, not allowing Colorado to clinch home floor playoff game because Calgary had lost to Toronto. Vancouver keeps their playoff hopes alive. Also, thanks to the Calgary loss against Toronto. And Vancouver was the only Western team to win the entire weekend. Now, raise your hand. If you put money down that Vancouver would be the only team out of the four Western teams to win over the weekend. Calgary lost, Colorado lost, Saskatchewan lost, and Vancouver gained some ground. Now, they still have a long way to go. A win by Calgary and a loss by Vancouver all but eliminates them or would eliminate them. The Mammoths still have a chance to catch the Saskatchewan rush for first place overall, but they have to be very wary of the Calgary Roughnecks who are closing in behind them. And these two games for Colorado on the road against two very tough Eastern teams, Toronto and Rochester, will be a huge momentum swing for this club as they go into the final few weeks of their regular season. But the game against Vancouver was probably your very typical game based on the events leading up with the retirement ceremony for John Grant Jr., which was incredible. There probably wasn't too many dry eyes in attendance. But when you do those 
types of ceremonial events, it's often hard for teams, especially the home teams, to come out fired up and ready to go. And we saw it. Vancouver took advantage of it. They jumped out to a quick 4-0 lead, I think, on like the first six or seven shots um, in just over seven minutes. And everyone was like, wow, okay. I even thought to myself, I wonder if Pat Coyle will give Dylan Ward a breather and allow Stephen Fryer to come in and maybe just slow things down. But Patty stayed true to his number one goaltender, kept him in there, let him settle down. And that's when Colorado started to claw back. And then Colorado would score six straight to go up 6-4. And everything was back to normal. But the National Lacrosse League is a game of runs. Vancouver would go then on a three-goal run before Stephen Keogh would tie it with about two and a half minutes to go in the half. The teams would trade a pair of goals in the third, and they would keep doing that. But Colorado would go on a three-goal run late, or sorry, in the middle part of the fourth quarter, and they ended up taking a two-goal lead as Jake Rouet would get his third of the night. And at that point, I thought, okay, maybe that's the second or third nail in the coffin. Vancouver has shown in the past resiliency and the ability to come back and keep games close, but I thought maybe now the hill would be too steep to climb. But Tony Malcolm continued his hot streak and played probably one of the best games I've seen him play this winter for the Vancouver Stealth. And his goal right off the draw after the Rue goal, got them back to within one. Joel McCready would score a typical Joel McCready goal, going hard to the net, rolling underneath. And then that Saunders goal would be the winner. And a heartbreaking loss for the Mammoth, but a huge win for the Vancouver Stealth. And you have to give the Stealth team credit. Everybody has already written them off. There is just a mountain ahead of them. And all they continue to do is just put their work boots on and just do what they can to get the job done. And unfortunately, it hasn't been the greatest of years for them. They're now 2-12. and 12. But look at just the number of games and how close they have been. Case in point, three of the four games Vancouver has played against Colorado this year were all decided by one goal. The only game that wasn't was the 13-10 game two weekends ago. They lost 12-11 to New England. They lost by a pair to Saskatchewan. They lost by, uh, they beat Buffalo by one in overtime. That game could have gone either way. They lost by three to Calgary earlier in the year. So, you know, a couple bounces the other way and, and the season looks completely different. A few collapses here and there and the season can be quite different. You can say that about many teams, but when your team is struggling at 1-11 and 11 and you come in and you win a game like this, sorry, 1-12, and 12, and then you come in and you win a game like this by a goal, it shows that this group continues to battle and they understand the task ahead of them and no one's given up. And you have to praise them for that because, as I have mentioned many times on this show, I have been a part of two 1-15 teams in the history of the National Lacrosse League, the only two teams to go 1-15. And sometimes it's really tough to show up to the rink and go to battle. And 
the best thing for the stealth right now is that they do still have a glimmer of hope. And so when there is hope, something you to, you can cling on to, it gives you something to fight for. And it gives you something to battle for. And Vancouver showed a lot of heart and a lot of character in that win the other night. And as I said, it's not an easy task ahead of them the rest of the way. Even though their next three games are at home, unfortunately, they're 0-6 at home. And their next three games are all against Western Division opponents. Calgary, Saskatchewan, Calgary. 31st, 13th, 21st. And the game against Vancouver this weekend could very well be their season. If they do win it, though, makes things a lot more interesting down the stretch. So don't quite shut the door on the Vancouver Stealth yet, but uh, after the game Saturday, you may be able to. However, as we saw, Vancouver's not going to go quietly into that good night. But for the Mammoth, it was an opportunity lost. Um, As we mentioned, the rush loss to Saskatchewan, and that, at the time, got the Mammoth to within a game of the rush in the standings. And if they would have been able to hold on and knock off Vancouver, they'd have been a half game back with a game in hand and still a game against the rush coming up in two weeks. They also missed a chance with the Calgary loss. If they would have won, they would have clinched home floor advantage in the playoffs, at least a semifinal game. So that still has to wait. So tough spot for Colorado. And now going into this weekend where they play back-to-back games, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Steve Fryer get a start in one of those two contests. You might see... GM Dan Carey tinker with his lineup a little bit just to keep bodies fresh because this is going into a very tough time in the National Lacrosse League season as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Because now Colorado has five games left. Three of them, their next three are all on the road, Toronto, Rochester, Saskatchewan, before two home games against the Black Wolves and the Rock to end it. So this next stretch is very important and vital for the Mammoth moving forward. And one key stat for Colorado is if they can hold teams under 12 goals, generally they win. I think they're 1-4 in four this year when they allow teams to score more than 12. So they got to get back to the basics. They have to be better 5-on-5. Five And when they go this weekend, they have to understand that just because they've clinched a playoff spot, there's still lots to play for. And it all starts when they go to Toronto this weekend uh, on Friday and Rochester on Saturday. So the other games that went down this past weekend, and there were some very interesting scorelines. Let's start with Friday night when Buffalo went into New England. And I remember getting into Colorado after uh, traveling, uh, getting to my hotel, grabbing some lunch and starting to relax. I was like, and I had a nap. And then I woke up and my phone was beeping and and there was the Buffalo score. And it said, Buffalo wins in New England. And I was like, oh, maybe they're just previewing it. And then I looked and the final was 20 to 7. 
and I was dumbfounded. More so by the fact that Buffalo scored 10 straight goals in the third quarter. If you add the two goals that they scored in the fourth, they went on a 12-goal run. And after that two goals that they had scored, New England scored um, early in that third quarter, from the 2.15 mark of the third all the way to the end of the game, Buffalo outscored New England 13-3. to Heck, call it 13-5 in total of the second half. And unfortunately for New England, it was the start of a pretty bad weekend for them. How bad was it? Well, they came in to Week 16 in first place in the East. After that tough performance at home against Buffalo, everyone thought, okay, a trip on the road down to Georgia, maybe get away from everything. Maybe it'll clear things up. Well, unfortunately, it didn't work that way as Georgia would beat New England 17-12 to and in the process, drop the Black Wolves from first to last. Nine left to shoot, Randy Stott, score! Stott's with the hat trick. Give credit to Lyle Thompson for keeping that play alive on a pass that was high. He found Stott's cutting in the middle. They've done such a good job getting topside here. Now they're getting the second man open. Earlier in the game, they're getting the shot. Good handle inside and good finish. The dulcet tones of Paul Day general manager and head coach of the Philadelphia Wings in attendance down in Georgia. Love hearing me some Paul Day. But that stats goal ended up being the winner as Georgia would get themselves back to 500 on the season. And, oh, yep, guess what? Three of five teams are all tied at 7-7. Seven and seven. There is one game separating the first-place Toronto Rock to the fifth-place New England Black Wolves. It is tight at the top. And unfortunately for the Black Wolves, um, they didn't get the best performance from their club over those two games. On Friday night, their power, or sorry, their shorthanded team gave up seven power play goals. They were a little bit better on Sunday, or sorry, on Saturday. But when you give up seven power play goals on 10 opportunities, that's not helping. Just a tough weekend for the Black Wolves altogether. And for them, it's going to have to be another quick turnaround to get things focused and understand the task at hand. Because guess what? Now they got to go to Buffalo. Maybe a little vengeance. Maybe a little payback. And I always like when teams... Get the shot at another club right away. We saw it with Vancouver this weekend. There's fresh film to study. There's that fresh feeling of defeat on the tip of your tongue. And so New England at Buffalo Saturday night will be a huge game for both clubs because every game in the East now is so important. New England and Toronto, lucky for them, have one game in hand on the other three clubs in the East. So that could definitely come into play as we go down the stretch. But to give up 
37 goals in back-to-back games, that's a tough performance from your club. So Rich Lisk and his coaching staff will have to look at the film, go back to the drawing board, and figure out what went wrong and what can be better. For the Buffalo Bandits, well, they're starting to come around. That's probably their best offensive performance of the year. But that 10-goal quarter, man, that was just impressive to watch. Everybody was chipping in. Nobody scored more than one goal during that run other than Dane Smith. Durston's goal would end up being the winner, and that was the one that started the run. And Newing was just unable to recover. Alex Bouquet got the win, made 40 saves on 47 shots. And the tandem team of him and Zach Higgins, um, it hasn't been the best. I'm sure Chugger Steve Dietrich would love to see that group be a little stronger between the pipes. But they've been steady. And they've been consistent. And they've been there when they needed them in games. And Bouquet came up large on the road. Be interesting to see who gets the start at home. But both guys have done an excellent job helping the Bandits have a chance in every game that they've played. A couple of the other games that went down this past weekend, uh, we've mentioned the Saskatchewan-Rochester game a couple times um, in reference to the Mammoth, unfortunately, um, not capitalizing on the situation. But Rochester is now the only team to sweep the rush this year. They beat them twice. And many rush fans will be looking uh, at the game sheet, trying to find maybe what went wrong, what could have been better, um, where did we kind of lose the momentum. Well, they outloose balled Rochester 71-65. Shots were even. Saskatchewan had four more power plays, converted on two more. They lost the face-off battle by one. And for all intents and purposes, they played a fairly strong game. Rochester was maybe just the better team. However, when you look a little bit deeper, and this could be maybe way too deep into thinking, but it was the first night Curtis Knight was healthy and back in the lineup, and everyone was going to wonder who was going to be the odd man out when Curtis Knight got healthy. And truly, I was surprised that it wasn't Dan Dawson. Yes, he is one of the greatest to ever play our game. The best right-hander ever in the National Lacrosse League. A consummate professional. A multi-champion in every league that he's played in. But I never thought in a minute that Marty Dinsdale would be the guy that was sat. And I'm not saying that's the reason they lost, because that would just be preposterous. However, I think having Dawson in there still kind of upsets their chemistry or disrupts their chemistry that they've had for the majority of this year. And when you bring Knight back, who has just missed two weeks or three weeks of lacrosse, And to keep Dawson in there just seemed odd to me. And maybe it's writing on the wall that 
Dinsdale could be exposed come the deadline or Cub expansion. But it was quite weird that that's the way that Coach Derek Keenan went. Maybe there was some other ulterior motives for Keenan's decision. Uh, Maybe Dinsdale was unavailable. I don't think that's the case, though. But I'm not really going to question any move that Derek Keenan makes because he's probably the smartest man in lacrosse right now. But that was a decision that seemed rather odd to me. And unfortunately, um, maybe you could say that the decision didn't work. As Rochester beat Saskatchewan for the second time this year. And it kind of, again, proves that they aren't invincible. And Rochester now has a bit of momentum going their way. As they get set to take on Colorado this weekend at home. The final game of the weekend was the Toronto Rock-Calgary Roughneck game. We've touched on this one briefly. Uh, 17-14 Toronto beats Calgary. Phil Caputo had a big fourth quarter. Hellier has been active. Two goals. Flip up top. Goals scored by Caputo. Both of his tallies have come in this fourth quarter. And Phil Caputo's having himself a quarter. He played the backdoor for the Toronto Rock all season long till about three games ago. They decided to put him on offense. Didn't get a goal that game. Cashed in last week and two big goals for Toronto in the fourth. That was your National Cross League Twitter game of the week. And Caputo's two in the fourth really helped propel Toronto as they outscored Calgary 6-3 in the final 15 minutes. Caputo's second of the game would be your game winner. And it was a game where Christian Del Bianco was chased after 14 minutes, gave up six goals on 17 shots. Frankie Siggs came in to see his first action in quite some time, and he gave up 10 on 41. So he was better over the stretch, but it was that start by Toronto, a 6-1 first quarter that was really the difference in that lacrosse game. Calgary had 91 loose balls. That is ridiculous. Oh, well, it helps when Zach Courier gets 12. Curtis Dixon has seven. Burton had eight. Eh, I can see how they get there. 91, that seems like a lot, though. Anyway, loose ball battles, obviously key for many teams, but when you doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win the loose ball battle. Toronto Rock. Heading back home, where they will face the Colorado Mammoth in a big weekend for them, as they are now the number one team in the National Cross League. Only four games this weekend, two involve Colorado Saturday, New England and Buffalo, and also Calgary, Vancouver. The importance of those final two games are huge. Colorado could probably lose both their games and still be okay. Um, It would obviously allow Calgary to get a lot closer. And if Calgary were to win their game against Vancouver, things would be really close. But it's the New England-Buffalo game that everyone will really be watching. Uh, Calgary at Vancouver will be a huge Western battle as well. Um, So those are your four games in the Week 17 of the National Cross League. And pick your poison. If you're an East fan, 
uh, not of Toronto or Rochester, you're you're definitely cheering for Colorado. Um, if you're a fan of Calgary or Saskatchewan, you're cheering for Toronto and Rochester. So there's there's lots of places to place your bet as they were this weekend in the four games because there's still lots to be decided, especially in that Eastern Conference. Because um, it's been a while since it has been this tight. I do believe there was a season a few years back where three teams finished with nine and nine records or eight and eight records at one point. We might be witnessing that and there could be some serious, serious tiebreaker stuff going on because the East is not going to be decided until the final weekend. Let's just kind of quickly look ahead and see what is that final weekend of games in the National Lacrosse League East, April 28th, April 29th. Let's check it out. Oh, Rochester at Buffalo. That'll be a pretty big game. Georgia at New England. Oh, that'll be a pretty big game. Toronto and Colorado in Colorado. So there, that's the last weekend for the NLL East. Rochester at Buffalo, Toronto at Colorado, Georgia at New England. And it could come down to everybody needing a win that weekend. I'm looking forward to it. It's like a whole month away, and I'm giddy with anticipation. So that's the East. That's a recap of last weekend. Uh, Vancouver still has hope, still clinging to life. That was a big win for them um, in Colorado. I, I just keep going back to it because, um, one, I was there. But, two, just it, it was a fantastic lacrosse game. And I remember... Jamie Shuchuk and I were at halftime of our broadcast. We were just kind of getting ready to do our halftime analysis. And he looked at me and goes, it's kind of a boring game, isn't it? And I looked at him and was like, are you kidding me? It's a tie game at half. And we're about to just have a ridiculous second half. Like, let's be honest here. This is going to be a great game. And he's like, eh, I don't know. Well, we got our money's worth. And so did the commissioner who was in town with um, 20 prospective buyers and investors into the National Lacrosse League. It was a big past couple of days for the NLL. Um, if you watched the Colorado game, you heard our interview with the commissioner uh, during the third quarter. We talked about a ton of stuff. Um, he mentioned he wants this to be a 30-team 30 30 team league uh, in the next 10 to 12 years. Uh, we're getting close to another Canadian franchise. The, he teased... The, time, the Turner Sports deal that was announced on Tuesday with Bleacher Report Live, which is, um, for him, a revolutionary uh, thing for the National Cross League. I know some fans are still kind of scratching their head uh, because they're all hoping for an actual TV deal. Um, let me tell you, folks, in the near future, I truly don't see the National Cross League seeking out a TV deal. The way that Nick Sakevich and his group is going with this OTT digital first strategy. I truly believe that they are focusing on having games online on the internet that you can stream and watch all over the world. And getting a TV deal while we all would love to see it because we'd all just love to be able to turn our TV on and find a game. The digital side is where Nick Sakevich is really focusing his efforts. But he's also focusing his efforts on expansion. And we know Philadelphia and San Diego are coming in next year. Uh, he will tell us when he thinks that 12th team 
will come in the air. I caught up with the commissioner Tuesday after the big announcement. He had flown back from the West Coast where he was after Colorado, and he'd taken the red eye for the big announcement back on the East Coast. So uh, he was a little groggy, a little tired, but I first started our conversation but asking him how his trip out West was. It went really well overall. I mean, what a, what a great night on Saturday night at the Pepsi Center. Uh, it was a tremendous doubleheader. Uh, you know, watching the Avalanche play the Golden Knights and, and then the conversion of the ice to turf and just in record time, 45-minute yeah. turnaround and and then just a great mammoth game. Uh, and then we hopped the plane to Vegas and uh, we we had a few meetings in Vegas with some prospective investors and um, then watched the Avs take on the Golden Knights in the return match. So it was uh, it was really, really good weekend. So would you say that Vegas is on your radar? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think with the Golden Knights success and you got some other sports teams coming into town, um, you know, everyone always wondered whether Vegas would be a great sports town and I got to tell you it's sure proven to be a great sports town. Everybody's selling a lot of tickets. There's a lot of excitement in the marketplace and um uh, you know, credit to credit to the Golden Knights, and and uh, more teams are coming to Vegas. So I think Las Vegas is a key uh, market now for expansion in all the leagues. You had uh, a 20 plus uh, potential investors and interested people with you in Colorado, and you mentioned you know watching the conversion from NHL to to NLL. Those are all the little intricacies that prospective owners are going to want to see to, to see how viable it is to have multiple teams there. How did those people take to the NLL in their first experience? Well, it was great. Um, you know, we've, we've had, we've had, we're, we're batting a thousand with NHL owners that own NLL teams. We've, we've yeah. never had a failure and we've had multiple degrees of success. You know, the mammoth are amongst the best in the league um, as our, the bandits in Buffalo, Calgary, Roughnecks there, and you know we're we're bringing on um, the Philadelphia Flyers next year, and they're they're doing extremely well. So, you know, it's just really good for um, some of these owners to see how, in this case, Crunky Sports operates, and there was no better demonstration of the operations to see an NHL game and an NLL game back to back on the same day. So it was really exciting. Over over thirty three thousand paid tickets in the building mm-hmm. on the night, and that that's a heck of a heck of a day for the arena. This is something that that I've often wondered, and and it kind of goes back to the old National Lacrosse League. And you and I have kind of joked about you know the thirty years prior were were a bit of a dry run. Now you're kind of going full steam. But would you ever allow multiple or an owner to own multiple teams, or is that something you you always want to stay away from? Um, I guess, I guess if the answer is, um, a little more complicated than just a yes or a no, um, you know, you got to remember, I came from a league where we had multiple owners in the early days of that league. And and frankly, having, you know, multiple owners that own multiple teams was, was a huge benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, at one point, the land shoots owned six of the 10 MLS teams. Wow. Now I wouldn't advocate I wouldn't advocate for that. Um, right. That that's something that is uncomfortable in my opinion, for a lot of different reasons. But I think there if there's an opportunity to be strategic uh, about a particular market and with a great owner, 
then then I think it's I think it's great. Um, it just shows more confidence in the existing owners in the league. I think I'm okay with um, as an individual owner owning two teams, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it starts to get a little uncomfortable for more than that. But again, you know, we're in the business of growing, and we're in the business of being strategic with our growth. So we, we are we're open. We're, we're definitely open to that. We all know that the, the growth for next year is in Philadelphia and San Diego. Uh, the hope for you, as we discussed in the Mammoth broadcast Saturday night, that in a couple of years there's going to be some more teams. How close are we to possibly finding out who teams 12 and, and more are? Well, 12, 12 we're working on right now, and we expect to have an announcement perhaps this by as early as this summer for Team 12 starting in 2018. Uh, 19-2020 season. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we have a lineup of potentially one or two more in that in that season as well. Um, like I said, we, we have over over 40 some odd entities that we have signed agreements with for non-disclosure. Um, we're engaged in a variety of conversations all throughout the U.S. and in some markets in Canada. So it's just um, it's a lot of work, a lot of travel, and just picking out who the right owner is, what's the proper arena set up, and what does the market look like. And those are, you know, as you know, Teddy, those are our three criteria that we Absolutely, don't. Absolutely, yeah. We don't waver. We don't waver on those three. When you look at some of the teams in the National Crossing, and I've asked you this before, and, and now that you're almost two years through. Uh, are there any concerns for you when you look at the nine current National Lacrosse League teams? Um, in terms of what? Uh, just, just whether it be so, yeah, operations, stability, owners, anything like that. And just any when you look at the league as a whole and you look at your nine teams and you go down your list of checks and all that. Are there any teams that concern you? I I have no. Um, no concern with regards to the ownership because the yeah. ownership is extremely strong in every one of our nine markets and you know it doesn't get any better in strength in the two new markets in Philly mm-hmm. and San Diego that are coming. Um operationally sure, you know, I mean we're concerned about uh teams that that don't that don't perform well, which is why we created our team services function that they yeah. row in our Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer leads, um, and we've had great success. You know, in Vancouver, you know their numbers are up. In Georgia, you know we we think Georgia's numbers will be up close to 50% this year versus last year. So uh, the team services function is taking uh, effect. Uh, Dave and his and his staff are very focused on those teams and getting them better. But with regards to ownership. We have as solid a group of owners as any league in professional sports, and you know they've 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 invested heavily into into you know our plan at the league, our new plan. They've invested heavily into the new NLL, and I think everyone is seeing the results of that. Today's announcement with Turner and Bleacher Report Live that will take the NLL TV product to a whole new level. Um, is a big investment. You know, it's it's a pretty significant seven-figure investment that the owners have to make into upgrading arena technology and arena broadcast production. So the, those those investments have to have a return. And um, 
And I think you're seeing some of that return come, you know, come in the form of expansion teams with uh, Philadelphia, San Diego, team number 12, we're, we're putting the finishing touches on 13 and 14 are very close behind that. We think we'll be announcing those this year. Nice. Um, so, you know, this is, this is, this isn't, this, this doesn't just happen. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of strategic investment and a lot of hard work to make it happen and not just make it happen, but make it happen in the right way so that it's sustainable. And Absolutely. we don't jump to, we don't jump to 16 teams and then a few years later we ratchet back to 10. That's yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. not going to happen again. Um, you mentioned Team 12 will be 18-19. No, 19-20. Uh, uh, would you want 13 and 14 in that same time frame, or did you want to kind of space it out? Yeah, I, I think we're aiming for that because we want to get to an even number of teams, um, you know, in that 19-20 season. Right. And then add two at a time so that we keep an, an even cool. balance of teams going forward. Okay. Um, so let's focus on uh, that Bleacher Report. A Turner Sports announcement you made today. You've been teasing this for quite a while. How big is this um, for not just the NASP Lacrosse League, but uh, for lacrosse in general? Uh, it's transformational. The, the the deal is more than just a distribution deal for NLL TV, which is which is huge in and of itself. So NLL TV will be significantly upgraded next year in terms of quality of production. And it'll be widely distributed, worldwide distribution on Bleacher Report Live platform. Um, and they have a significant marketing engine. They're investing over $100 million into Bleacher Report Live. And the National Lacrosse League is going to be the beneficiaries of that marketing and promotion that Turner's making an investment in. But it's also a sales and marketing and social media platform. And it's going to be great for our players because it's going to highlight our players. Um, you know, Turner and Bleacher Report are storytellers, and mm-hmm. they're going to grab all the great stories that we have in our league in each of our markets and tell those stories on a large platform. And that's the marketing and social media component. Turner has over 300 sales representatives worldwide in 10 different offices, and so Kevin Morgan and his group in sponsorship sales and national national sponsorship sales are going to have an incredible partner on the sales side, and it's it's a true partnership. And we're so delighted and thankful to David Levy and Lenny Daniels, the president of Turner Sports, David the chairman, and Dan Granick, who really started the whole process with uh, an RFP process that started back in November, and we we think we found the very best partner for us uh, it's a long-term deal it's a multiple year deal and we're we're excited they're going to help grow the sport of lacrosse we're going to bring in other lacrosse products onto the platform in addition to nll tv we'll be um we'll be looking at international lacrosse and domestic and youth and also and college lacrosse on the platform so this is um this is a transformational move for the sport of lacrosse so NLL TV will stay the same, and it'll just go under a Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report Turner Sports banner, or will they still be separate? No, I mean you could you'll be able to go on on NLL.com and and access NLL TV on NLL.com, okay. but but you you'll be able to sign up to you what you'll want to do is you'll want to sign up to the Bleacher Report Live platform mm-hmm. because it's it's going to be very robust. There's going to be a lot of all of our video is going to be archived on there 
all the live live events will be on there. And the biggest difference that the consumer will see, the fan will see, is a significant upgrade in the production quality. Right. Perfect. That's that's always great. And you guys are continually putting out great stuff with NLL TV. Uh, we talked about Relax. We talked about the stuff me is doing with Saskatchewan. Are you wanting to expand and broaden your talent pool and bring in more people? Um, we always look at that. Um, yeah. You know, we're, again, um, part of production and a very important part of production is TV talent. And, and so in, in this whole run-up, I mean, we're, we announced the deal today. It doesn't really start till next season is when the yeah. fans will see the difference. But there's a lot of work that needs to go in between now and then with regards to production, upgrading arenas, talent identification, and uh, who's going to be who's going to be involved in it. So uh, Ashley and Justin, and you know, we're, we're making a very key, important strategic hire in a, in a television producer in house at NLL. Nice. Make sure that things are run properly. Um, let, let's go back to focus on Saturday night quickly uh, before we let you go, Nick. Uh, obviously, the John Grant Junior Night um, was a tremendous ceremony, and then I had asked you if this was your first jersey retirement ceremony, and it was. But um, you kind of joked and said, "We need more John Grant Juniors in this league," and I think that's great and that's very true. But how do we honor? those past players and and specifically uh, the Hall of Fame everyone knows there was no Hall of Fame class of last year but uh, the talk is the NLL is restructuring things and looking to do things a little bit differently can you maybe update fans on how the Hall of Fame process is going yeah so actually this is actually down our chief marketing officer in the league is really taking this under her under her responsibility and, and she's working with several potential partners to make the Hall of Fame, you know, a full-time place and it's a, a place where, you know, all the players can be honored. You know, it's unfortunate, but the, the Hall of Fame isn't exposed to the to the public. And, right. and so she's working with a group of, of people at the league office and several of our owners and former players on putting together, you know, what is, I would say, uh, a re-engineered Hall of Fame or re, um, uh, re-energized, I should say, that's a better word, re- a re-energized Hall of Fame ceremony place, a place where mm-hmm. people can actually go and and see all the memorabilia from the Hall of Fame because um, it's it's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, agreed, agreed. That's that's great because that's something that uh, we've all talked about and, and, and honoring the past and honoring the greats of our game and, and we've had you know, a handful of, of greats retired in the last couple of years, and it'd be great to see them honored uh, with an induction. Uh, one last thing before we let you go. You mentioned on the broadcast Saturday night about your, your work in the grassroots area and, and the things that U.S. Boxla is doing. How is talks going with a partnership with them and the National Lacrosse League? Well, as, as you know, we have, we have a partnership with U.S. Boxla and U.S. Lacrosse. Um, we'd love to have one with uh, the CLA. Um, maybe someday that'll happen. Um, and we continue to have conversations with them. U.S. Lacrosse is putting a lot more um, focus and effort on the box game. They've been awesome partners. Um, we look forward to working with them, um, you know, to develop a, a grassroots program. We've been hard at work. It's been a couple of years of trying to find w- what the right grassroots program looks like. Yeah. Um, part of a, the meetings we had, you know, over the weekend and, and last week were 
involving grassroots and and I think you know I'm hopeful that this year we'll be able to make an announcement on a on an excellent grassroots program. That's incredible. Uh so what's next for Nick Sikevich? Obviously uh uh, you just red-eyed all the way back to the East Coast for the big Turner Sports announcement, but uh, you are a busy man. Where are you off to next? Uh, just uh, get a little rest tonight and <laughs> more meetings tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon back in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, just keep keep the keep the momentum going. We've got great momentum. We've built great momentum over the last couple of years, and uh, we just got to keep it going because just like on the floor, you know, when the wind streak come to a close really fast. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we're not there yet. We have a lot of work to do. You know, I want to, I want to make this league a 30 team league over the next 10 to 12 years. And that's going to require a, a lot of work, a lot of investment, a lot of not just investment of time and, and effort, but investment of capital. And, you know, so far our owners have been very willing to do that. And they're starting to see some, uh, some, Good results uh, as as a result of those investments, but we can't stop. We have yeah. to keep going. There's the commissioner Nick Sakevich, fresh off his whirlwind trip from Colorado to Vegas, to the West Coast, and all the way back east to the Philadelphia area. Concha Hawken, I believe. Such a good name, Concha Hawken. Anyway, a lot of good stuff in there. With the commissioner, uh, the 12th team will come in for 1819. Uh, we still don't know who it is. We all kind of think it will be Halifax. Um, interesting to hear him say that he would allow an, an owner to own multiple teams, m- no more than two, most likely, uh, which is very interesting and maybe kind of leans towards something happening in the future. Because there are some owners out there that I have a feeling would like to own multiple properties in the National Lacrosse League. So we'll have to wait and see for that. You heard him. Later this summer, he hopes to announce maybe at least one or more. And he wants to get to even numbers by 2020. And then just slowly start to add a couple teams here, a couple teams there, keep things even. But if they add another... Eastern team, even if it brings us to even numbers, that would make it, what, seven and five? Because you get San Diego and Philly brings us to six and five. And then another Eastern team, say it's Halifax, that makes it seven and five. Interesting maybe ways to do playoffs. Um, There's no Eastern teams that are located sort of centrally that you could maybe realign. And you're not going to go to, like, three divisions of four or anything like that. You could, but I don't think you would. So it'll be very interesting to see how, with all this new expansion, um, conference alignment or divisional alignment plays into things, if that's even really a focus, because maybe you just throw them all together and not have divisions. And just have one big league. 12 team league, play each other, uh, what, twice? Give you 22 games? No, give you, yeah, 22 games. Then maybe like the top six make it? I don't know. 
I'm just just spitballing, just spitballing. You heard him say that um, the investment that the National Lacrosse League owners are putting into the league to update their um, like electronic software is not what I'm trying to find, but their production equipment and properties so that every game will be of HD quality and we're going to have that high level of broadcast because that is huge for the National Lacrosse League. And it'll be very interesting to see how this whole partnership with Bleacher Report plays out. If someone out there knows, um, because I don't, the question is, will Bleacher Report be available to those in Canada or outside of the United States? Because if the NLL goes full in and heavy in on, on Bleacher Report, which is awesome, I think it's a really cool thing. And I've just been kind of cruising some, through some of the Bleacher Report live tweets and, and um, videos and things that are out there. Some of the things that are doing are, are kind of cool. But hopefully it doesn't alienate fans outside of the continental United States or the U.S. in general. Because if they really move everything to this BR Live platform, then NLL TV, all their games and things are, are archived there. It might be tough for some other fans to find it or to get it, to watch it. If, like he said, you can still go on to NLL.com and find NLL TV as someone who's outside of the United States, then okay, then all of this last couple minutes is moot. I just, it's always strange to me that these big platforms don't, are, are all geo-blocked. Like, why would, and blackouts and geo-block, things that have always bothered me mentally. Case in point, I want to watch an Edmonton Oilers game and it's on Sportsnet West. I can't watch it because it's blacked out and yet I'm not in Alberta. I want to watch an NCAA college lacrosse game on ESPN3 or whatever it may be and I can't because I don't have a U.S. subscriber. I'm not a subscriber to a U.S. cable channel or internet provider, however you want to call it. I can't watch highlights on the BBC Twitter feed because I'm out of the country. Makes no sense to me. Geoblocking and blackouts still mind-boggle me to this day. So hopefully, Bleach Report Live will be made available to the millions and millions and millions and millions of millions of people outside the United States. If not, fingers crossed that through NLL.com, NLL TV is still there, and I think that's what the commissioner was alluding to when I asked him that question. So that's kind of important for people to know. I'm interested to see where he goes with his next team, um, some of the other partnerships that they bring on, and what else they do in the future, because the commissioner really is trying to... I don't want to say put his footprint on things, but really change the National Lacrosse League for the good. As he'll often say, you know, the past 30 years was a dry run, and now we have to go from here on, and we have to 
um, clean up our past tendencies and repair some past burnt bridges. And that's not always the easiest things to do, especially in a sports business world where everybody's dollar is being sought after. And so the commissioner and his crew are trying to repair and build and grow a lot of these relationships. And he had 20-plus people in town, Um, people from Vegas, Seattle, New York, and beyond. And I think it was great that they were in attendance. Uh, they saw an absolutely incredible lacrosse game. It was a incredible, loud, packed house inside the Pepsi Center. Uh, you heard him talk in the interview that they went to the Avalanche Golden Knights game. They went to overtime earlier. Uh, the Avs had 14,000, 15,000 in the rink that night or earlier in the day. The game went to a shootout. Then they saw a one-goal game between... The Mammoth and the Stealth, they got to see all the conversion of the turf. Like, everything that went on was a great eye-opener for all of those people who had never really witnessed a National Lacrosse game or what happens between a hockey game and a conversion to an NLL game. So, um, tons of great stuff going on, and I know the commissioner continues to work diligently to get things done, and we'll continue to keep our eyes on everything that he is doing um, and that's going on behind the scenes. I am... Still very curious about the Hall of Fame, though. Something is just... we got to talk to Ashley Dabb more because, like the commission said, it's sort of her baby and what she's doing. I'm just interested to see what's going to happen. Like, if they're trying to build a Hall of Fame, that's awesome. Uh, a place where there's content and things you can look at, absolutely. It's, it's much needed. There is no place where someone can go into the NLL Hall of Fame, and see the two and a half, three dozen people that are already inducted, um, old jerseys, memorabilia, old game footage, whatever you want. So if they're looking to build Hall of Fame, that is awesome and great, but we still need to get guys in that Hall of Fame. And there are a handful of guys that have just recently retired that most definitely need to be in, and there are Dozens of more guys who have played in the past that need to be in the Hall of Fame. So we'll keep an eye on that because that's something that I am very um, concerned about. Because not having a Hall of Fame class last year just really rubs me the wrong way. And when the top 10 NLL all-time scoring list only has three people in the Hall of Fame, JT, Shooter, Gary Gate, something's wrong. And of those remaining seven players, Dawson and Steenhouse are the only two who are active. So that means you have Junior, Doyle, Willie, Lewis Ratcliffe, and Prouder as the five guys that are in the top ten and aren't in the Hall of Fame. All of them have National Lacrosse League championships. I believe all of them have been championship game MVPs, save for Willie. And they all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. That could be your next class. But then there's guys like Casey Powell, Jeff Snyder, Reggie Thorpe, 
uh, Casey Powell, Kevin Finneran. I could go on and on and on about guys who deserve to be in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. And I know they are trying to work out a better voting system and uh, procedures to put people either on the ballot or number of years they're allowed to be on about all those things that go into thinking of of um, voting processes. But we need to figure that out pretty quick because not having a 2017 class was just a tough pill to swallow for a lot of guys. Because like you had to have think or thought that Willie and Doyler and those guys who are like oh and Junior like it would have been their year. Shoe ins. All of them go in, all three guys legends, and it would have been great just to put them all in. For some reason, it didn't happen. So hopefully the 2018 class will be a very celebrated and much-anticipated Hall of Fame group. Now, to Todd LeBranch. And if you haven't heard the LeBranch penalty call, one... How's that rock you're living under doing? Two, what have you been doing? Because it has gone incredibly viral, picked up by TSN, ESPN, um, Barstool Sports, Vice Sports, uh, Sportsnet, list goes on and on. Everybody picked it up. It was very Wes McCauley-like, the NHL ref who has his own shtick. But it's not too often we see National Lacrosse League referees kind of break character, as it were. And Todd LeBranch had an opportunity, all eyes were on him, and he didn't waste it. These two are clearly having issues with each other, could not restrain them to themselves, so we're going to give them two minutes to think about what they've done. <laughs> Todd LeBranch going off script. <laughs> I'm not sure even how they're going to write that down, but that could be one of the greatest penalty calls I've ever heard. And that's possibly being what it's called. The greatest penalty call ever called. Now, did you like it? Are you okay with it? Is this something that you would like to see in National Lacrosse League games? Would you like to see the officials going a little rogue? Now, my problem is, is that if it's just done by, say, Todd LeBranch, if he's the only guy that does it and he does it once a month, then I'm okay with it. But if Todd LeBranch starts going kind of rogue on all of his penalty calls, then it gets too much. And then if Every National Lacrosse League ref, when they get a chance to turn their mic on, they start going ad-lib, then it gets to be a little much. But with the commissioner in the house, John Grant Jr. ceremony, all the investors, a packed Pepsi Center, why not let loose? Why not show a little character, show a little personality? And I, it's funny because a lot of fans aren't big Todd LeBranch fans, and most fans aren't referee fans anyway. But it was funny to see how many people were like, oh, all the times I've yelled at Todd LeBranch, now I take it all back because that was amazing. And it was pretty cool. And I had a laugh uh, as along with Jamie Shuchuk during the Mammoth broadcast. I know Jake Elliott on the Vancouver broadcast on the radio call. He had a chuckle on air. Uh, and, and it was just a lighter side of the National Cross League that, that I'm okay with. 
and I can get behind as long as it doesn't become an epidemic. And like I said, every referee starts doing it. Um, but it was nice to see the Denver media kind of pick this up and run with it. Um, unfortunately, they don't pick up enough Colorado Mammoth stuff. But Denver 7 reached out to Todd LeBranch, got him on their show. Um, and this is what he had to say when asked about making that call. There was nothing uh, predetermined about it. It was just kind of as I'm walking to, to the penalty box to report the penalties, I thought, hey, here's an opportunity to throw a little bit of humor into it and get a little bit of uh, a laugh out of the crowd. And uh, so I, I just threw it out there. It, 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 there. There was nothing rehearsed or nothing practiced about it. It was spont- spontaneous and... Uh, you know, when it starts to get scripted and it starts to, it, it, it loses its its luster. So, you know, certainly if there's a, there's an opportunity that arises, I, I, I may jump on it. But uh, we want to be seen as a, as a legitimate professional sport um, and uh, and make sure that uh, that we're doing all the right things. But if uh, if this uh, if this can help push it forward a little bit, then I'm happy to be a part of it. I spoke with Todd LeBranch uh, after the game, as I'd mentioned, and he was all smiles. He he had talked with the commissioner. The commissioner was cool with it. So let's just kind of, you know, it, it, it got lacrosse in the focal point of the sports world. Uh, everybody was talking about it. It was awesome. And now we get back to focusing on the task at hand, and that is the race towards the National Lacrosse League playoffs, which are really a few weeks around the corner. When you think about it. But one of the things that caught my eye um, around the whole Todd the Branch thing, and if you really delved into some of the um, web pages that this was posted on and went and looked at the comments, you'll know what I'm talking about. Haters are going to hate, as the kids say. And I can't count the number of negative comments about the game of lacrosse in reading some of the posts that people make. And nobody was safe. They attacked LeBranch. They they said they called me out for saying that he was going off script as if it was um, scripted like wrestling. Uh, they got after Zach Greer for throwing a hissy fit in the penalty box. They were going after... Uh, one of the fans sitting behind the bench who was having a bit of a spasm of some sort. Nobody was safe. But I constantly laugh and just am mystified when I read comments on blogs that's lacrosse-related and you get all these trolls who come out and say, lacrosse is for all the people who couldn't play baseball. Why would you play hockey when you could play lacrosse? Lacrosse is just for soft guys. Like, never-ending hate for the game of lacrosse. It's remarkable. Go look at, you know, the Barstool post that, that Barstool Jordy put up or read it on the ESPN and just click comments or just go look at all the, the commented tweets and retweets that those posts have and just look at all the hate that comes out. It's unbelievable. And I don't understand where it comes from. Funny enough, everyone was all like, oh, Canadians are going to Canadian. The game was in Denver. 
it's just I don't know. It's just funny when when you when you look at it and you see all the people that just aren't lacrosse fans and just despise the game, despise the athletes, think that it's just a pretender sport for soft people who couldn't play baseball. <laughs> the best one I think I heard was um, baseball is for players who can put bat to ball. Lacrosse is for players who can just play catch. Classic line, but so way off. I would rather... No, I'm not even going to go there. Not even going to go there. It, I, just, I just laugh every time I see um, the lacrosse haters come out when um, something lacrosse-associated goes viral. Just makes me giggle. Couple more things before we let you go. Last week I talked about pigeons on defense, and um, I completely mind gapped and forgot to actually talk about it. And so some people are asking me, "What is a pigeon?" And no, I don't mean the bird. Um, a pigeon on defense is oftentimes what teams will call out. When a forward gets stuck playing defense, Pigeon is a D guy because you want to isolate him, take advantage of him, pick on him. And I believe it was the Saskatchewan Buffalo game, and Sean Evans got caught on defense, and the offense noticed it, and they swung it around to Ben McIntosh, and they had the isolation. And it happens pretty much every game. Some defenses or some offenses recognize it. Some defenses also recognize it, and you have to understand where to put that O guy because you can't just let him pick up anybody. If you're five on five, you know, you can kind of you can pinpoint who you're going to point him to and who you're going to tell him to go check. And oftentimes when that happens, you'll get offenses trying to swing the ball to that guy. When you're shorthanded, and you get an old guy having to chase back, it's even tougher to try to figure out where you're going to put him because the four guys playing that box are so integral that generally they try to put that guy far away from the ball. So when your team has a guy that gets stuck on defense, notice how they play it. Notice how the offense attacks it. It's very similar to when a D guy breaks his stick or loses his stick. And so now he has to play without one. And you'll often see guys in offenses swing the ball and get that guy without a stick caught in the two-man game. That's often what they do with O-guys. Get him in the two-man game, start setting picks, get them confused because O-guys tend to be lazy. They tend to ball watch. And oftentimes they get absolutely burnt for goals. So that's pigeons on defense. Trey LeClaire. This was news that kind of broke on Tuesday. Uh, Trey LeClaire has been picked up by the New Westminster Junior Salmon Bellies. Uh, he was a member of the Delta Junior, Junior Islanders the past couple of years. But for some reason, he became a free agent. And he has opted to sign with the New Westminster Salmon Bellies. And as of a, a result, New West had to give up a draft pick to Delta. Now, I have no idea why 
he became a free agent. Uh, I have reached out to the BC Junior League Commissioner, Carl Christensen. Um, he was unavailable for comment at the time. He is getting back to me, so hopefully uh, by this time next week we'll have some more information on that. The only thing I can think of is that now he is actually junior age because he was a an aged-up intermediate. And so now... Because he is actually junior aged, he becomes a free agent. That's the only thing I can think of. So we'll have to wait for a little more from Carl Christensen, the BC Junior A uh, commissioner, for some more information on that. And hopefully this time next week we'll be able to break that down. But um, the one thing people are questioning is why would he go to New West when Coquitlam is generally the odds-on favorite to come out of the BC Junior A-League. And really, the only thing I can think of is that Coquitlam's overpowered with right-handers. New West needed a right-hander more. And so it was a better opportunity for Trey to go there. I don't know. We'll have to figure all that out. Uh, This was all news that just kind of came out before I was in the studio, so I was unable to get much more information. But by this time next week, I'm sure uh, things will be a little more clear. That's going to about do it. It was a wild and crazy weekend in the National Lacrosse League. Week 16, week 17 is just a few days away, but only four games on the schedule. It all starts Friday, Colorado at Toronto. Colorado then has to hop on a bus, go across the border, drive down the I-90, say what's up to Buffalo as they drive by, and take on the Rochester Nighthawks the night before. Uh, go to rochesternighthawks.com or whatever their website is, um, And you can find the Cradle for a Cure jerseys and auction page. Um, All of the players will be wearing uh, special baby blue color jerseys. Um, They'll be auctioned off uh, after the game. They're going towards uh, the Cradle for the Cure uh, for Childhood Cancer Association to help raise money to find a cure, obviously. Um, So all their player jerseys will be auctioned off. Across the back will be someone's name. But also all the alumni that are going to be in attendance. Uh, we'll have their jerseys auctioned off as well. And there's some great names out there. Thorpe, Schiller, Mearns, Akersey, O'Toole, Hazen, Jenner. That's right. You can bid on my jersey. Number 19. There's some other number 19 guy. Pagate, I think his name is. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Um, I guess his jersey is going to be up for auction. But I have a feeling mine will go for a couple dollars more. Um, so, yeah, just go to Rochester Nighthawks website. There will be more information there. But... Um, it will be a wonderful night. Uh, I'm looking forward to heading out on the road with the Mammoth boys. I uh, always like to get on a road trip with the fellas at least once a year. So if you're in Toronto or you're in Rochester, um, would love to say hi and, and chat to all the fans that are out there, um, and we will see you then. Uh, so that's the first two games. The other two games, New England at Buffalo, Calgary at Vancouver, both games with massive playoff implications. That will about do it for another edition of the show. You can find me on Twitter at off the crossbar, email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Thanks to the commissioner, Nick Sikevich, for stopping by after a long day of flying and a very, very important press conference. And of course, thanks to you, the fan, for always listening and tuning in right here on SoundCloud, iTunes, and NLW. Until next week, be excellent to each other.